Welcome to the College Football Connection, your taste of all the college football action going on this week, this season. We love the Ohio State Buckeyes. We hate that team up north, and we've got way too much to say. We're joined by the one and only Zach Smith, also known as Menace to Sports, to give us the behind the scenes and some expert insights on the action. This is our season wrap-up and off-season special. Zach, so good to have you, man. It's been too long. We got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Let's wrap this season up. Let, let, let's start with this uh, this national championship game. Uh, as I had said, big all season, Big 12 football is not real football. I don't know what happened in that TCU-Michigan game, but it has to do a lot more with Harbaugh and that, that coaching staff than it has to do with the quality of team TCU was. Georgia made sure to show that to the world in the national championship game. I've never ever seen a beatdown like this. I remember the Florida Ohio State beatdown uh as all Ohio State fans do, but this was just another level. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I mean it was it was the worst it was the worst rated, the worst, the least competitive championship game and maybe in the history of championship games. Just awful. You just like this this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> ever. Period. Like it's never it's never been this bad. Like I do this for a living now. And I still was like, I'm out. I'm, I haven't watched the second half. I never will. Yeah. I, I stopped watching at halftime and I don't care. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, didn't even, I watched either. the first like 10 minutes of the game and that was, that was enough. <laughs> that was enough. I, was like, for me. Oh, but it, it, I mean, the, the, the storyline, obviously the deeper storyline here is, is this. Obviously let's start with the Ohio state element of this, which is it hurts us a little bit. It pains us a little bit more to see how easy the national championship game would have been if we would have just been able to get that ball five or six yards closer. They say it's a get this, this game is a game of inches, but literally that was the difference between us winning a national championship this year and going back and waiting on next year. Right. No doubt. Well, and I I do have to say, like, had we won the national championship, like, after after this season, I just don't know if I would have still felt like we were the best team out there. Like, I would have felt like we had a good playoffs, but I feel like Georgia really showed us this season that, I mean, to win in the in, in the SEC, first of all, is tougher than winning in the Big Ten, especially this season, and then. They did hold out against us, even though they didn't have that great of a game, and then proved how good they actually can be against TCU. Like, however bad you want to say Big 12 football is, it's not so bad that they should have got beat 65 7 or whatever, whatever that was, you know? (laughs) But I mean, at least from my perspective, like, I wanted to give some flowers to Georgia. I really think, like, what they've done culturally there, like, especially there was like a meme going around on social, but like, all the players there, we're like, oh my God, y'all thought we were going to be six and six, five and seven. It's like, nobody thought that, nobody. but it just shows like Kirby has some sort of, some sort of thing happening at the Georgia, at the Georgia football team in that locker room that 
makes them all have a chip on their shoulder when they're when they're the clear favorite all season and whatever that is like teach me how to do that because you know i'm gonna be a lot more successful if i if i have that skill <laughs> he's able to keep that edge man he, he for whatever reason he i don't know how he blocked the outside noise i don't know how he did it because they they were the favorite to win the national championship about week six and and never let go of that favoritism and it's just wild that he was able to convince them that they were this massive underdog at all times it's just it, just a shout out to kirby smart i don't know how he did it but he did it and zach specifically like yeah. You personally know how challenging this is because oh. when when we won the national championship, we were the odds-on favorite to win the national championship again, and and we didn't lose the number of players that Georgia lost. Everybody came back that played a significant role on that team outside of Devin Smith. How, how, it, 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 to win back-to-back in any college sport is incredibly difficult because of the transition that happens from the players seeing what the national championship results in. All the coaches get bonuses. Everybody, the school makes a bunch of money and the players are sitting there going, okay, I need to go to the pros so I can get a taste of this. <laughs> Let me yeah. just do enough to stay stay healthy and get to that next level so I can live like this too. Um, I know NIL changes things a bit, but still, uh, to the motivation, keeping that edge and that motivation, that's really what the difference between a great head coach and an average head coach is. And I think Kirby is is definitely showing that he's he's one of the best in America. And to do it at Georgia, a team that hadn't had always choked, and then go from that to back to back national championships is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, just unbelievable job he did. I mean, 15-0 and back-to-back national champs. I mean, you go back to 2015 at Ohio State. I mean, the one one person you forgot that we lost after the 14 season was Tom Herman. Yeah. And that was literally the sole reason we didn't win it again. Yeah. Was just we lost a great coordinator and hired a bad one. And I actually, funny you brought it up. I just finished cutting up and watching the 2015 Michigan State game again because I'm going to break it down oh on my show. My God. And it's like, I'm watching it like, oh my God, like this is embarrassing. It was it's so, so embarrassing. And that was, that was like one of the worst moments in Ohio State football for me because I actually sat down. I got, it was a great situation because I literally got to sit next to Archie and watch the whole game. And and the greatest running back is like, why aren't we running the ball? I don't know. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> Let me give you some perspective here. When I get these films, right, it's coach's film. Normally, if I pull up the offense, right, it's all the offensive plays. Usually they're anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes. That's about the average. Yeah. The, sh- the shortest I've ever seen. I did. I broke 44 games down this year was 32 minutes. And I was like, damn, that's really short. I pulled up the Ohio State-Michigan State game. That video file is 19 minutes long. <laughs> That's how bad we were on offense. We did. We just had three and out, three and out, every single drive. It was their backup quarterback. Was, was it the third string backup quarterback, their backup running back, and they weren't even that good of a football team. And we had Ezekiel Elliott. We just, in the rain. <laughs> and- it's crazy. <laughs> like you, like I, would pause, I would pause a shot, and I'm just like – Starting in the NFL, starting in the NFL, starting the, like all everyone on the screen. I'm like, oh, we lost this game with these players. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> brutal. With so like looking back, looking back at you know this year's team, do you guys feel like 
happy with how the season went you feel excited about next year like what's the what's the sentiment you know i'm I'm excited for i guess new blood i mean there's a lot of gonna be a lot of new faces and it's it's one of those off seasons where it's it's gonna be make it or, or break it right because this was the year i said it for two years this was the year that ohio state needed to win it all yep all the talent they had veteran quarterback who's going to leave, right? He, he's declared for the draft. This was the year. Jim Knowles comes in. The defense is much better. Like they had to win it this year and they didn't. And so now it's like, boy, you got some work to do if you think you can win it next year. Cause we don't know who the quarterback yeah. is. The defense is replacing a ton of players. Oh, some of them you might be happy to replace, but they're still, yeah. you know, generally the guy starting is better than backup. So you better make that guy better than the starter was if you want to level up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have my, go if, ahead. I was just going to say like the thing that, that sits hard this season is that it's exactly that point, Zach, Be, before the season, I had felt that this was our year we were going to win. And if we saw the CJ Stroud, we saw in the last game, you know, one game earlier, it would feel like a totally different season because yeah. we would have won that Michigan game. I think it, especially in retrospect, it's very clear we were the superior team all the way through. I mean, it was clear watching that game anyway, but looking back, we should have been the best team in the Big Ten, and we should have been able to prove that, you know, with our play. And I think there's just a level of toughness that, you know, it takes some adversity to build. And unfortunately, our players just hadn't faced enough of that leading up to the playoff, right? And so I think, like, What's I think what's most frustrating to me about this season is that I think we had the p the pieces and the personnel to be the best team in college football, and I just don't think we had the competition to help us get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just I just reflect on like kind of what has happened really since I've been fired. Right, that's when I I stepped outside of the program, and that's and, when the uh, the program started its rapid downward ascent. Right, that's when they it's really like, fell into yeah. the abyss of misery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you think about it, right? Since that 2018 season till now, we had the luxury of watching Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud. I mean, first round, first round, first round quarterback, three of them back to back to back, and to come away with no hardware is just that's painful to think about. Well, and let's just do the math here, Zach. How many how many national championships has Florida won since you left? <laughs> None. How many has Ohio State won since you left? None. You got a good Zero, point, right? Well, I got a great well, point. My, this this is what you know, and, and just being brutally honest here of the season, you know, we were patient all season in evaluating was it CJ or was it Ryan? And you know, and, and tough love is good love. And what's inexcusable to me after watching that Michigan TCU game is that in back-to-back seasons against Michigan with better teams, we got out coached and out game planned in both of those games. And that's something that Ryan really needs to do some soul searching about because I know it eats away at him because he knows how sh- shitty of a coach Harbaugh is um, <laughs> and how much Urban and Trestle proved it before he got there. That's got to be stinging at his core. Um, and then in addition, what, what happened um, at the end of that Georgia game, you know, uh, believe it or not, you know, the, the, the hater Ohio State fans are like, this guy should have gotten more experience before, before he got here. 
But the truth is he's he's getting the best on-the-job training there is, which is taking real tough losses where you're forced to look in the mirror at yourself and say, this is on me. I can't blame this on external variables. This is on me. And hopefully, and he's showing a willingness every year to make the changes. Um, I'm a little concerned about bringing in, losing Kevin Wilson and bringing in, um, bringing in um, uh, our offensive coordinator without experience. You know, I know he's a great QB coach, great, I mean, a great wide receivers coach and a great recruiter, but he doesn't have experience calling plays. We did it so that we could keep him in the job, which is fine. But we also lost Kevin Wilson, who was a major factor. And Ryan is saying he's going to give up play calling. So who is going to call the plays? And on the defensive side of the ball, Jim Knowles has a lot to answer for because I don't think what I saw in the Georgia game was I didn't see any sort of like cohesive plan that he had. It just seemed like he was just trying shit in that (laughs) game and none of it was working. So that's the other thing. We hired a defensive coordinator from that sorry conference called the Big 12, and he's got to show that he's, he's worth the money that we're paying. He's the top paid defensive assistant in the country so those are the questions that linger um but one thing that i I, i'm i'm interested in asking you zach moving past that since we've all covered it is how good is kyle mccord because coming out of high school this is one of the top rated quarterbacks five-star prospect he's gotten two good years to sit behind cj stroud he clearly out outplayed everybody last season to get the backup job to cj does this, is this kid another potential first rounder? What have you seen based on what you've what you've seen actually, and what you've heard from the coaching staff? Well, he's so he he has the arm talent to make all the throws. Any throw you want to make, he can make it, which is which is good because you you don't want to be limited in that in that category. The one thing you just never know because he's had the luxury of having a first round Heisman candidate playing in front of him. He never really had to go compete. Yeah, like I, it's not that he wasn't competitive, but he was never beating CJ out. He knew that everyone knew that, so he tried hard and played, but but the pressure was never on him. Yeah, right. You never really get to see what type of player a quarterback is until the pressure's on. You're yeah. the guy. Yeah, show me what you could do. And so that's what I think is going to be interesting to see this spring, and then even going into the training camp is is does he have that? Is he going to kind of turn on a fire within him to to drive the program? Because that's what the quarterback has to do. Yeah. And I don't think he's not a bad athlete, but certainly not a good athlete. <laughs> and that's problematic because they're losing Paris Johnson Jr. They're mo- losing Dewan Jones. I don't know who the tackles are going to be, but if there's a dip in pass protection, you'd like to have a better athlete back there. And that's where I think Devin Brown brings something to the table because he's he's a little bit better athlete, kind of a baller. Maybe doesn't have the, the, the same like NFL arm talent right now, but he certainly can throw it. Um, so it's going to be a, an entertaining battle to watch play out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and who knows? It might be. It might end up being one of those hybrid systems. You know, it seems like those can work uh, more in today's game. But if 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 we need that, um, they might might both see the field because they both definitely are talented, uh, de- mm-hmm. talented players. I know Devin's been in the program a little, uh, not as long as as Kyle, um, and there's some enthusiasm. We'll see how those two guys play out. But I, I think we have two good, good options, and I think our quarterback situation is going to surprise us next year. 
Yeah, I've always said yeah. the quarterback's going to play fine under Ryan Day. I mean, yeah. he might not be C.J. Stroud, but you don't need C.J. Stroud to win a national championship. If everything else is in place, you just need a, a, a really good quarterback. You don't need the number one overall pick. Um, that It's nice. That's nice to have, but he's just got to be good. And and I, I have full faith in Ryan to have a good quarterback every year he's a coach here. Yep. Do you see the yeah. secondary having the potential to improve with the new recruit, recruiting class and the freshmen that we got? Last year. Yeah, I think there's there's some young talent there. Um, most of them were freshmen this year. I mean, Denzel Burke coming back is going to be huge. I look to him to be an All-American type of player next year with development. He certainly wasn't this past year, but he was good. He, he wasn't a major liability. But you, you got to replace Cameron Brown, who is essentially a three-year starter. Um, that And they have a, a slew of young guys, Jair Brown, Jordan Hancock. I mean, they, there's a handful of them that played decent when they got a chance to play and they were just young kids. Like you give them a full off season to go grab that job. I, I, I think the Ohio state's going to have two all big 10 corners, whoever fills that other corner and the safety position is the one. I mean, they, they got a safety transfer from like Syracuse or something that feels like Tanner McAllister to me, probably be a good player, probably won't be an all American, but they have some young, talented freshmen. They signed last class, five stars, you know, supposed to be all everything. You really look at them to develop and, step into those roles to fill those voids. And ransom because everywhere else on defense is set. Yeah. Tommy Eichenberg's back. Steel Chambers yep. is back. The D line is going to be ridiculous. It's just a secondary. We yep. need some safeties to emerge. And Ransom's coming back too, so we'll see how yeah, he, that'll help. he'll do in, in his final year. But he, he showed he's shown some flashes um and and has some great talents just getting the consistency down. Um as with a lot of these guys, I think is is I definitely I definitely like this idea of evolution that we're stepping into in terms of having a new person playing play calling, having these changes on defense. I think this was a good step for the defense from last year to this year. And I'd like to see another step of, you know, maybe the same size in terms of improvement. Nothing's going to happen overnight. But <coughs> if we can, if we can start to see that, you know, meaningful difference after two years of him being in, in position, I think, you know that's that's really all you can ask for with with um, anybody that's trying to bring cultural change to an organization. And then from the standpoint of you know what it'll look like to watch the team, um, I'm I'm really curious. I mean, I'm curious what it looks like with a different play caller. I'm curious what it looks like with Hartline in the mix. He was obviously amazing during his time as a receiver at Ohio State and was one of you know he's known for knowing the game right. So. Um, I am curious to see. We we had critiques about the balance of run pass um, this season. Is that going to hold into next season? Is he going to be more pass biased because of his position and you know his previous role, or is he going to take a, a kind of a different style? I think we have no no information. At least I don't on him or what kind of you know type of offense that he's going to come in and lead. But li- like I said last time we chatted. I think it's good for us to have a weaker quarterback and a new offensive coordinator because it's going to force us to be more schematic dependent. And I think that's just that, that's just going to strengthen um, the playing ability of some of these newer players that are just getting into the system and not put pressure on them to be as good as Olave and Wilson were like, you know, we, we kind of had this the, year. The truth is the strength of the team next year is the depth of our running backs. It seems like all three are coming back. <laughs> so if, I do think to be successful with a new quarterback who also can't run the ball, you have to you really utilize those three guys. And that's what I'm interested in seeing because I don't think 
once we we saw flashes from the freshman, we didn't get it. We didn't see him utilized in the Michigan game or the Georgia game um, very well. And then we have two kind of studs in Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. It's going to be interesting how the offensive game plan. But I think if we really properly utilize those three guys, um, I think we have a chance of being a much tougher team. Uh, to beat then in with a CJ Stroud led offense where because of his arm talent, you're going to lean pass all the time. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you, yeah. The thing about it is, is, is you look at it, right? Anytime you're breaking in a new quarterback or anytime you're, you know, have a bunch of young players that have to go play, you really got to look at the schedule and say, all right, how, how soon do they have to be ready to go, you know, win a massive game? Because like this past year, fortunately, it was a veteran team, but Notre Dame was right off the bat. Yeah, You don't want to break in a freshman against Notre Dame, especially on the road. So I don't know why they did it this way, but I know Ryan's counting his blessings because Notre Dame's not till week four. Yeah, They get a bad Indiana team like Western Kentucky and Youngstown State. It's like, all right, let's get some experience under our belt yeah. before we got to go to South Bend. Yeah. Like, that's nice. Now they they do have Purdue, Wisconsin, and I forget the other crossover game. But at Wisconsin with Luke Fickle, at Michigan, Penn State's at home, so it's it's not an easy schedule, but it's set up decently for yep. development. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting situation season. The thing that we know for sure is it's, is. Is the college football playoff expansion next season or the following? No, ne- I think next year's the last year of four. So next year's the last year of last year of four. So I was going to say we know we'll be in the playoff at least, but right. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of the next thing transitioning away from from Ohio State and and going back to this national championship game and seeing the whooping that um, that Georgia put on TCU. It underscores how challenging it's going to be to find 12 good college football teams to make this college football playoff competitive and the potential impact, as, as, as we all know with any sport, when things become less competitive, the interest dwindles. And yeah. that is the concern for this college football playoff. It seems like a big money grab. But if these yeah. games end up being, like you said with the Georgia TCU game, it was the lowest rated national championship game ever that's a real risk here because the truth is it's hard enough to find four good teams how are you going to find 12 yeah the only good thing i think is it's you're definitely going to have more less competitive games they're just not going to be the final game yeah that's what's so painful because TCU loses to Kansas State and the, the committee got on this high horse about, well, Ohio State didn't play. It's like, yeah, well, Ohio State's a better team. Yeah. So they should have slid Ohio State up, let Georgia mop up TCU in some meaningless semifinal game, and then Ohio State beats Michigan, and then you get your national championship yep. that is highly competitive. And adding 12 teams is only going to... I guess guarantee that that game will be competitive. You're going to have some absolute blowouts. Like yeah. I think Tulane would have made the, the the playoffs in what the new model would have been. It would have been TCU Tulane in, in the first round. And it's like, oh boy, that would have been brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely challenging in general for us to like be able to build like a good system because I I think that that Georgia TCU game was just so horrible of of a difference in how they came to play. I mean, 
I don't know if you'll get that in the 12 team playoff because I think for TCU, they got past Michigan. They were like, done. We won our championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they came to that, that game not, not even close to ready to play. Georgia came thinking like, for whatever reason, they were the underdogs all season. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if you're going to have that sort of difference in interest level in a 12 team playoff. So theoretically, it would be a little bit better, but. I don't know, man, like the physical injuries too. like after our game against Georgia, I was like, both teams are really banged up, you know, like, do you really want to do that to these kids over and over again, especially at the end of the season? And just think about this, right? We already have kids who are going to who sit out, right? Imagine how that is also going to impact it, too. If if we have this 12 team playoff. What happens with that? How many are more players going to sit out because of the the, the grueling nature of the, the the playoff versus what it was before? It's one thing to play two games, but I can only imagine some of these agents saying, "Hey, you're going to be a top ten pick. It's going to be hard to get a kid who has a real shot at national championship not to play." But it is a reality. And the the other thing that's that's frustrating is how do you the truth about this this playoff is I feel like the, the NCAA does this bullshit thing where we're going to do what's right when they don't do what's right in any other area of how they manage. Yeah. There's no reason TCU should have been. If we're talking about the four best teams in, in America and you watch TCU all season, you watched Alabama all season, Alabama should have been that fourth team in the playoff. Now I understand, especially since TCU didn't even win their own conference. If right. they would have won the conference and been undefeated, fine. They deserved it. But they lost to a Kansas State team that got blown out by Alabama. I think we have to have a deeper analysis here of what the four best teams actually mean versus just saying, hey, TCU, you know, go TCU. They, they, they earned it. How do you earn it with a loss at the end of the season? There's more than enough justification to put. They just didn't want to deal with the flack of putting a two-loss team over a one-loss team, even though that two-loss no team was better. It's just, it, it's what they always do. And they, and they change criteria. It's the best four teams, the most deserving four teams, mm-hmm. the teams that have the best resumes. They, they have a new criteria for every team they put where they put. And they, they honestly screwed up the 12-team playoff too. Yep. Because if this year was a 12-team playoff that just ended, your four teams that would have got buys are Georgia, Michigan, Clemson, and Utah. Because they're the highest rated conference champs. And it's like, why are we rewarding Clemson with a buy, a two loss Clemson team? Because they won an awful ACC. Yeah. It's just stupid. Yeah. It's, 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 it's mind boggling. So the decision making really is process. And how did they go from four to 12, like versus four to eight? Like, <laughs> like let's just go, let's just go full 32. Let's do 64, March Madness. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a challenging one. I'm not sure if there's like a clear solution here, but I definitely think like if we were to look back at this playoffs, we would pair Ohio <coughs> State and Michigan in the semi and the winner of that plays Georgia and then you get a real final. And and yeah, that's exactly what should have happened. And and yeah, I I'm obsessed with looking at what the 12 team model would have looked like this year, just because it's coming and it's what we're going to live. It would have been really cool because you would have had Penn state at Ohio state in the, the, the round one, they would have went on to play Utah, which they would have 
mop the floor with, and they would have made it to the national championship. Like you're, you're almost removing the likelihood that the national championship game is some random semi game, right? You're kind of setting it up where, okay, Ohio state and Georgia probably would have met in the national championship game. If it was 12 teams, I think it just removes this human error. That is the committee's criteria. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a great point. So I I also want to want to, um, call out kind of r- reflections after seeing some of the bowl games. Um, obviously, I was very impressed with Alabama. I think it just goes to show, great program. Uh, I was also really surprised by USC losing to Tulane. <laughs> that was, that was right. unexpected. <laughs> yeah, you were. Being, but, I mean, that, that was... Um, you know, basically a testament that they didn't deserve that spot either, right? Like it, it probably should have been Alabama, like you guys are saying over TCU. But uh, what what the heck is going on with all the rest of these teams? They're no. like semi relevant, and then nothing. USC just can't play defense. <laughs> they just can't. You see the video this season when they played Utah of the USC safety trying to tackle the Utah receiver, and he ends up spinning him and throwing him into the end zone. <laughs> it's just it's the guy doesn't even fall; he's just still and, running. And out. Zach, I have a question on this because I have kind of this theory, kind of, a, and even it even happened at Ohio State because we get shit on sometimes for how bad the defense was at times in terms of giving up giving up points and yards. But when you play an offense like Lincoln Riley does, where the t- offense scores in like 50 seconds, <laughs> what type of impact, how hard is it then for a defense be- who is going to spend a lot more time on the field, get tired much quicker? Is it possible to have a real balance when you have an offensive scheme like that between offense and defense? Because it's easy I mean, to it's just tough. blame the coordinator, but. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, just going back to the Michigan State game from 2015 that I was, I'm about to break down. I mean, the, the defense is on the field. Their, their video was 42 minutes long. So they were on the field twice as much as the offense. And they let a bad Michigan State offense put up some points on them, which they never would have if they had just had equal time on the field. Yeah, I think you could definitely screw your, your defense over by just having them on the field far too much. And it's kind of what happened in the second half against Michigan. Yeah, The offense was struggling. Not doing horrible, just struggling. And they were they were not converting first downs, not having decent drives. And so the defense is just constantly on the field. Then eventually someone's someone's exhausted and they're not in their gap and the ball goes 75 yards. It's like you can't leave your defense out there and hang them out to dry like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So well on uh, the, on the- uh, you guys want to do some uh some way too early predictions for next sure. year? Let's, Always let's do the college football playoff predictions. <laughs> Are we picking? We're four? picking four. We're picking four for sure. <laughs> it's, it's it's tough. It's, it was crazy time of year, though. I mean, I don't remember the last time that the only team in the top six, the the, the final polls, the only team in the top six returning their quarterback is Michigan. I mean, you look at everybody else. They all lost their quarterback. Georgia, Ohio State. And they're returning Corum. Yeah, oh, they're returning everyone. Michigan, what Michigan did yeah. with their NIL collective, I mean, they're brilliant, right? They they came out like Ohio State has Brian Schottenstein saying, donate to me so I can, you know, help Ohio State. It's like, okay, I don't know what that means though, but okay. Michigan went out and said, all right, we're going to create this separate fund. It's called a bring them back fund. It's for these four players only. Yeah. As, much as, as much money as we can raise, they get to split it four ways if they come back to Michigan. 
it's like, holy shit. Well, I want them to come back. I'm going to donate. Like, it's just, they're doing things the right way business wise to just to l- try to level up. And, and they, they got all those kids coming back. I mean, they're, they're Zach Zinter, their tackle, Blake Corum. I mean, they have four or five guys that could have left and all came back. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty wild to me about NIL. Like, I think one that may be positive unintended consequences is it's getting more kids to finish their degrees. <laughs> potentially. Yeah, right. Potentially, except with that Florida. And they don't care about that, but it will do that. <laughs> except when, you, when, when these, these, these rich folks do what they do like they did in Florida. Promise a kid a bunch of money and then pull the rug out from under them and screw the program over. It's all good, but you you got to remember who who you're relying on to 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 help you help you get across that line. And as Zach pointed out, we might have some issues at Ohio State right now, and in, in making sure that we have the right people handling our nil nil situation. But you know, I, I think you bring up a, a great point on Michigan. You know, we'll get to our picks here in a second, but I'm not going to include Michigan simply because of Harbaugh. But <laughs> the thing, but I just wanted quickly to talk about this charade that he carries out every year, making it seem like NFL teams want him. None of them want him. Michigan falls for the trap every time and he gets a raise because I think he got another extension and raise out of it. But no team actually wants this guy. It's pretty funny. Yeah, he, he definitely plays the game every year, doesn't he? And I, I, though I do think Denver was was seriously considering hiring him, but Michigan did what they needed to do. And this president at Michigan is unbelievable. Not the AD. The AD is awful, but, yeah. but the president, I don't even know. How to, it's like Ono oh or I forget his name, but um, he's unbelievable. He, he basically said, what do we have to do? We don't want to lose Jim Harbaugh. He's the one driving this NIL stuff. And they said Harbaugh is going to have a 10 to $11 million salary. His staff pool's bumping over $1.5 million, which is still low to me. Ohio State's paying their coordinator more than that right now. But then they're going to put an, es- uh, an escalator clause or whatever you call it, where if, if the rest of the country starts paying coaches more, his just automatically goes up. So they, they incentivize the hell out of him to stay. Yeah. I just, I just want us to beat him next year and continue and, and- – and let him be there. Like that's was what we were so happy about before is like, keep extending this guy. We want him there. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping that we return to that, return to that reality next year. Cause they're paying him so much <laughs> now that they can't afford to get rid of him. <laughs> right. The crazy time. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and do our picks. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start. I'll start. Let's, uh, let's hear my, Obviously, I have to pick Ohio State. I think that they will come in as the four seed, as a one-loss four seed. Um, I'm not going to specify where that loss is, but I'm going to say it's not to Michigan. Uh, my next pick is Alabama. And then um, I don't think I don't think any of the uh, the teams we saw like really booming this year uh are are really that for real other than i think usc will probably make it but i think they'll probably lose their first game in the playoff and then that fourth team probably georgia again i think it'll be two sec one big 10 and then usc i like it v who you got you got the same the same four no, I don't have the same four. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna go. I'm going wild, wild on you here in a minute. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm going to go with Ohio State. That obviously has no bias whatsoever, and 
<laughs> not zero. <laughs> At all. Um, now, this, this is a very unbiased <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Ohio State getting in there. I think they will secure the Big Ten this year before the conference becomes significantly more competitive the following year. Uh, I think we will secure that, that conference championship and that one seed and dismiss Jim Harbaugh. Um, at number two, I I also have, I don't think after a two-loss season, Saban's going to miss the college football playoff in back-to-back seasons. Um, you have to put your faith in Kirby Smart to be the third, third spot. Now that fourth spot is a, is a wild card for me, and I'm going kind of crazy here. I think a one loss Notre Dame team Ooh. gets in as that fourth spot. Ooh, I like it. Very bold. <laughs> Very bold. So I'm I'm going to go off the cuff here, and this is not going to be a popular segment here, but I think. USC is going to make it, and I know they haven't played defense forever, but I, I, I don't, I still don't understand how they lost the game this year. Yeah, I mean they're playing in the Pac-12. It's awful football. Caleb Williams is coming back. If they can just improve the defense, That's a, what it like is. a tiny bit, they'll be in the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm going to go USC. I think Florida State comes out of the ACC. Oh, wow. they, their program's been leveling up every step of the way. I love Jordan Travis, the quarterback they have, and he's coming back. I think they have a real chance to kind of take the reins of the ACC. I think it'll be between them and North Carolina to see who wins it. And Dabo's program's officially dead. So I'm going to go USC, Florida State, Alabama, and then the only team returning a quarterback in the top six, Michigan. (laughs) This is, this is a good, it's a good set of picks, Zach. I think it's, We'll see. I, I, the Florida State one, I, I've been just so disappointed by ACC programs like living up to their potential in football. Oh, yeah. They seem to have basketball down, but, you know. I mean, and, and North Carolina's returning their quarterback, too. So he, He's one of the best in the country, too. So they, they, yeah, Drake May. I mean, if we have, if, if Clemson is really bad, there is a real shot for an ACC team to take control and, and, there is. and win out. So uh, that's definitely, definitely a logical. Logical pick and Washington, we haven't yeah. really talked about, but they have a they have a real shot in the Pac twelve. They do with Panics coming back. They definitely do. That'll be the, that'll be the game, yeah. right? Washington USC to see who can come out of the West. Yeah. Hey, and well, that's, that's not entirely fair because Oregon has Bo Nix coming back for like his seventeenth season <laughs> in college football <laughs> and his seven hundredth interception. Right. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I heard. I heard Stetson Bennett has got another year of eligibility to come for his coming back for his age you thirty probably season. Can. You probably. I mean, and nowadays so, I don't even think there is such thing as eligibility. <laughs> I think you can just play if you want to. <laughs> so a year a year ago, we didn't think Stetson Bennett was that good, but we thought he got lucky, and I think he's actually gotten a lot better since you know the start of the previous season. <laughs> Um, is he going to translate into the league? No, <laughs> no, no. There's. Uh, I think he's a fantastic. He, he reminds me. I mean, much different player, but he reminds me of Tim Tebow. Just a fantastic college football player. I mean, just outstanding. I mean, baller, playmaker, just electric. I mean, it's hard to argue against it. Kid goes fifteen and zero this year, back to back national championships. But but what I say because I'm. On your show, on this show and my show, I've been critical of him. I was critical of him all off season. Yeah, and people love to throw that in my face now. And so I need to remind everyone: his own coaching staff was trying to replace him a year ago. Like the, his own coaches didn't believe in him. So right you can't talk shit to me or us. 
because his own coaches didn't believe in him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think his success, and it comes down to this, is understanding. I think great coaches and great programs know how to maximize the value of who they have. And I think Urban did this with JT Barrett until he did it for one year too many. <laughs> <laughs> and it's you maximize and you build a system around the talent of your QB. And we did the same. We obviously did the same thing with Cardell during that playoff run. I think Georgia has done that with Stetson Bennett and who knows? I, I really think his future is on the sidelines somewhere um, as, as, as a coach um, of some sort or, you know, or just hanging out in Athens, Georgia for the rest of his life and never paying for a meal, never paying for any expense ever again. Uh, his future is bright. It's just not on the NFL field. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I've had uh, a couple friends who are Georgia fans. Literally, one of them didn't go to the championship game because he's like, I already seen it once. I don't need to see it again. And so that made me very much hope for them to lose for eternity. So I'm hoping to see them choke next season. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice for us to, to get a national championship. You guys you guys see CJ being last, last topic. You guys see CJ being the number one uh, quarterback taken and Paris Johnson going to be the number one offensive tackle taken. Um, it's, it's tough for me not to go Bryce Young, but just you, you watch CJ play against Georgia. And if you knew that that was who he was day in, day out, I don't think you'd draft anyone over him the last couple drafts. I mean, that's how good I think he is, but he just was so inconsistent and Bryce Young was so consistent. And is CJ is on the, on the top end? Is he better than Bryce Young? Yes. Yeah. But what about every day? What about every week? Who's the better player overall? And so I honestly, I mean, I, I guess I would go with Bryce uh, as not, you know, we'll see what the Bears do. They're not going to take a quarterback if they trade they're, they're out. They're going to trade out of that pick. Yeah, as long as they trade out, then then I could see Bryce going number one overall. Um, but if they don't trade out, then number two, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the first quarterback taken. And I think Paris Johnson absolutely is the first tackle off the board. Yeah, that guy's a beast. He's so good. Yeah. I think CJ is such an interesting case because at – at his best, I agree. I I think he can be a, a really impactful player and somebody you build a franchise around in the NFL. Um, is he old enough to be that guy yet? Is he mature enough to be that guy yet? I think is the primary question. So if CJ could end up backing up like an Aaron Rodgers for a year, yeah. I think that's exactly the type of situation where he will reach his potential. But I don't think he's... he's the guy who's ready to start. So if I'm drafting, I'm I'm taking Bryce Young over him. I still think he'll be like top fifteen though. Oh I yeah, think I think he'll be top five regardless. Yeah, he is going to go that level. I think what if if I was evaluating this right, I, I really the reason that I would give Bryce Young a slight edge is what Zach was saying. It's not a talent argument. CJ definitely has better arm talent than For Bryce, sure. but even after those two losses, kind of what he showed as a leader of that program. If you're, if you're a pro, if you're a team like the Texans who needs that, cause it's not CJ's kind of more of a quiet guy. He's not, he's more reserved. You need a locker room leader. And I think whoever that number one pick is, if they don't have kind of a, a locker room leader, I think it's going to be Bryce, but if they do, then it might be CJ. And I think that's really what, what's going to, what's going to cause a difference because if the Texans end up being, 
moving up to number one or at number two, I don't think there's any way they're taking <clears throat> CJ over Bryce. But yeah. if it's another team, they might consider it. Yeah. I also think that if CJ ended up in any sort of situation comparable to Justin Fields, where when oh, he got boy. in with the Bears, it, it would be the, probably the end of his yeah. football career. Uh, I don't know if he'd be able to come back from that. I think Fields, what he's done in Chicago is like the most amazing thing. He just made he just made it for himself, made the role for himself, made the offense for himself, just with dynamic legs on the field. I think the know? best landing spot for him is the Raiders at number seven. Um, oh God, it would be a yeah. match made in heaven. Yeah, with uh, with Devonte Devonte Adams. Uh, then Adam they Siller. have they have Devonte Adams. They have Hunter Renfro in the slot. They have a Pro Bowl level tight end and a Darren slot. Waller. And Darren yeah, Waller, yeah. And a solid offensive line. So I think that would be, you know, and I think he would love it as a California kid, uh, going, oh, even though he'd sure. be going to Vegas and going to play for the Raiders, yeah. you know. That's actually a really good, that's a really good take. I think it would be a great Sometimes it's not about how high you get drafted. It's better to get drafted with the right team, oh, like Mahomes. Always. Yeah, you know, with the the Mahomes situation was clear with 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 Josh Allen not being the number one. I don't know if he would be the same level QB if he was with the Browns as he ended up no. being with the Bills. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, I I talked to Michael Thomas about this immensely. Yeah, because he was like the fourth or fifth receiver taken. He felt slighted, but he went to the Saints with Drew Brees. I was yeah. like, buddy, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. And I'm sure once he signed that contract, he was like, okay, oh. coach was right. And he, and he <laughs> saw how Corey, how Corey Coleman did with the Browns. Yeah. He was like, oh, thank yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> well, interesting times. I mean, overall, I think the program is in good, isn't, is in relatively good shape. I know fans are frustrated. I do think. It's inexcusable, as you said. It's so hard to swallow with the quarterback quality that we've had over the last four years. Um, for it to be uh, for for us not to have a national championship, but we're also a few years removed from Zach being in the news. So maybe that wide receiver coach position, uh, Ryan, you might want to look at look at look at look at uh, look at our, our friend here for that position. <laughs> That would be that would be the day. V. That would be the day. <laughs> Did you know uh, Brian at all, Zach? Hardline? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was my. I don't know what you want to call him. I, I don't want to call him an intern because he certainly wasn't an intern. He just finished playing in the NFL, but he was like he was an, an offensive assistant that worked with me and the receivers. Oh okay. You guys already worked together. Yeah. Yeah. Just so if he was looking for somebody he trusted to handle the wide receivers. Oh, if it was up to them, it'd be easy, an easy hire. I mean, I wouldn't have to interview, but it's not up to them. <laughs> well, you know, you know what you could always do, Zach, if if you want to get some of the heat off you, is you could just change gender. Yeah. You know what's crazy? You said that. I literally told my lawyer that when we're going through a custody case, and I was like, I, I saw an article where a man yeah, changed. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, I saw it to, to to get parental rights as as their mother. And I said it to my lawyer. I said, listen. I'm not saying I'll do it, but I'll do, I'll do pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to get the surgery. No, I just put on a wig and dress for court. Yeah. You don't even need to do that. You just have yeah, to you identify. Just you, you can you want. be and just you say, just and say you identify as such, and then and you'll be fine. Yeah, you don't have to change anything. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. You just no. have to say it. No. Yeah. I think you should try First transgender receiver saying, coach. You know, 
you could you could be the first female receiver coach Absolutely. for Ohio State. You know, the other thing is is the anonymous consultant role would be a good one too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the uh, paper bag on the doorstep. Kind of <laughs> I'll, I'll just do what everyone else does. I'll just run it through a five hundred one c three. Just run it through a cherry. <laughs> oh so man! Good. Well, it's been a good. It's well, been right, a great guys. season, man. I'm sure we'll 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 talk before the spring game at least to kind of see where the team is at and recruiting is is still happening. Um, and for sure. We'll see how this NIL stuff goes. Ohio State has some room for improvement. Luckily, it hasn't impacted our recruiting as much as it could have so far. It has had an impact, but we'll see if those improvements are made that you've been pushing for on your show as well. Absolutely. I enjoyed it, guys. 